It is Wednesday, May 19th, 2021, and I am Michael Devlin, not Michael Askins, and this is the Technology Architecture Solution Engineering Show. And today, yeah, Michael is out this week, so we are hopefully keeping the train on the rails this week and uh, going to keep the train steady until he, he is back next week. And I have someone else riding the sidecar because I can't do it alone today. Mr. Returning Champion, Mr. Justin Snyder. How are you, how are you Justin? Pretty good. Nice and uh, nice to see you again. Nice to talk. Excited to uh, have a good time and have a party without the uh, mic number one. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, who knows? We, we you know, considering some changes in the day job, we might be seeing a lot more of you in the coming months and weeks. Um, so uh, glad to have you aboard. And um, yeah, we're we're just gonna jump right in here do a little you know go through our normal tech news and then call a couple different topics so uh first topic or first little tech news bit um is we talked we actually talked about this a little bit on the last episode um with uh mobile devices and the surface duo and neo microsoft has uh, first officially come out you have a surface duo yeah i mean i have it <laughs> um, and i i i used it um okay uh i don't remember the last time i've used it uh um, but yes I, I i have an applicable use case to this conversation but continue <laughs> sorry for interrupting no problem i just was totally we have our cameras on so you flashed it so um so yeah, my they have come out and officially confirmed that windows 10x which would be i think originally was supposed to be released with the uh, surface neo um is officially dead they've stopped development on it and instead what they're doing now is they are rolling in uh those features that may have been very useful into windows 10 itself um so considering a you're a user of the service duo not exactly as what the neo would have been it's built on android um what are your thoughts on uh you know this and also what give a review of the duo because i believe you're only the second person we've had on the show that has actually used the duo yeah so the, the software thing is interesting, I think, because I, I try, and maybe I'm reading it too much, but like, it seems like they're trying to do it, and they're like, well, well this isn't really bringing us much value, um, and or they're trying to do it, and it wasn't turning out well, and they're like, well, uh, might as well scrap this and just uh, have the Windows, the standard Windows 10 team build stuff in. But what I will say is I... I like I I think it makes sense to just have a, a standard Windows SKU um, and have everything built into it, and then like if you only install certain bits based off of device or or whatever, that's fine. Um, because I think the more they make their experience consistent, the better the user experience across the board will be. Right? Um, you can think about like Windows, like Windows for the longest time was just like a desktop. OS, right? And yep. so no matter what, your experience was the same. And granted, back then, it wasn't as great. Um, <laughs> but it's gotten better. Um, and I mean, that's kind of what, uh, and um, since Mike's not here, I'll bring it up. It's kind of what Apple did, right? Um, where they had like a sort of a similar OS based off of their devices. And they, they're kind of moving towards a single OS. Um, now they have iOS and they have Mac OS or whatever. But like more and more, they're trying to merge their operating systems or at least emerger experiences. Um, 
And and that's just ultimately it, it, that's because so when a user does a certain thing, they know a certain things going to happen. I mean, you can even see that in Microsoft in different ways, right? Where take the the sharing dialogue in Office three sixty five as an example. Um, you you could share across many different applications: Microsoft Teams, OneDrive, SharePoint, Stream, etc. And for a while, that sharing experience was specific to that application and always looked different. But I believe they did what did this like a year or two ago where they that sharing dialogue where you say I want to share with anyone, I want to share with specific people or whatever. They made that sharing dialogue consistent across all the applications because um, that makes it easier for a user to understand exactly what they're doing. Right. Um, and it makes it automatic and there's less overhead and there's less things that people have to learn and it's consistent. So. I, I know we got really tangentially off the topic, but <laughs> just in general, I, I do support like the the sort of centralization of an OS at that point. Um, I'm just more interested on, I, well, I will never know, right? Or at least I'll never know, <laughs> like what actually happened in the background with that, because it seems like they, like it wasn't a, oh, this wasn't the right idea. This was like, oh, we tried it and it's not good. Uh, <laughs> we got we to gotta backpedal. Uh, yeah. So yeah, just curious on your thoughts on that as well. Um, be it be it one someone that's more uh, uh, in with the, the device crowd uh, than I am. Although I guess I do. I I am the one that has to do it, so maybe I'm the device person. I guess. Yeah. No. Uh, so no, I I think it's it's really interesting because I I think kind of what you said that they kind of like started out with this idea and like okay let's do it. And then they started to do it, and they're like, oh, this is harder than we thought it was going to be. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, it's just not a good product, and, you know, let's just come up with alternative fat. Because from reports and things of that nature, it originally started out as an OS for dual-screen devices. Then, they, okay, we're not ready for that yet. Let's roll it back to We're going to roll it out to single-screen devices, and then we're at the, we're to this point where now we're just not even going to do it anymore. Um <clears throat> And you know, and in the Verge article, um, even says, you know, who knows when we'll ever, if we'll ever see the Surface Neo, which is highly disappointing to me. I think a foldable tablet is, I think, better than a foldable foldable phone because I think, you know, until they can get it super thin, I think is going to be the the challenge. One I the thing Surface I will Duo, say: yeah. Have you have you actually got to hold this yet? I, have I am insanely impressed. With how thin it is, um, my gripes with the duo that I have, I think are Gen One gripes, um, yeah. because it just does not it doesn't perform well enough yet. And, well, and, and it's, it's, it's going to happen, Gen One. Yeah, and that's a lot. It's a lot of people's gripes. I mean, it was built with older last gen hardware yeah. because they were taking but the time to design so, it and fit it. Like it is, I. I I, I'm gonna show this. I'm gonna try and show this, and I can. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna see this. I apologize. But like, you—that's a USB-C port. Yeah. You can tell, like, that is the width. This thing is the width of a USB-C port. Which <laughs> honestly, is pretty incredible. Um, but they, like you said, they have old hardware. Like, there's old hardware in it, so yeah. it just doesn't. It does not run as effectively as it could now if i had something like this that had like was jam-packed with like actual performing hardware i bet i bet you it's really great um so i i have hope for gen 2 if they make a gen 2 of this um because i mean if you think about like the surfaces like the for gen 1 of the surfaces works or biz um but they iterated and they got better 
So I'm hopeful. Um, I'm less hopeful because I know that it's, it was very unpopular. I mean, because like who really has a use for this quality of a device right now? Yeah. But it's kind of, at least this is how I validated it to myself. There's kind of reason why I got <laughs> it. I wanted to support the idea because I think it's a really cool yeah. idea. Um, it's just for Gen 1. Yeah. Not, not, not as great yet. Yeah, no, and I, I think that, you know, I agree. And we've we talked about this on a, a while ago that, you know, if you don't support the Gen 1, they're not going to make a Gen 2, you know, because there's no there's not a demand for it. Um, so, you know, I, I, I really like the concept of the device and you know, the hardware piece is where I was like, mm, maybe not right, you know, not where I needed to be yet. But I think Microsoft has gotten to a point where they're designing their devices from a outside perspective and you know obviously when they have they also the available internal hardware bits and chips and all that good stuff is top of the line almost you know so i mean every review i read is the hinge is great the foldable experience yeah. is great and everything like that it's super small you know it's not you know suit like you said the width of a USB-C port so <laughs> yeah the package the package is right they yeah need, they just need to make it a good a good device like yeah yeah and also one thing i'll say is like also from a ui perspective and i I expected it to be buggy some of the gestures are a little non-responsive but i still i i mostly attribute that to the perform like not having the best like stuff in it um so maybe that gets addressed we'll see i'm hoping i'm I'm hopeful for a good (laughs) it it is i will say it was way too expensive for what it was in a Gen One, but again, it was a Gen One. They didn't make, they probably didn't make money. And they knew that they yeah. wouldn't make money, so they had to charge. All yeah, the it's know. also the whole fold- foldable device thing. Now, they're all of them are super expensive, and I, th- you know, I think it's going to be at a point where people haven't figured out exactly what the use case is for it yet. I think it's like for knowledge workers, like us, for like productivity wise, like I could definitely see myself using a dual screen device out and about, or like a like a Surface Duo, if I'm like at the mall or something like that waiting for my girlfriend or something like that i don't know see <laughs> for it that i originally like got it for and thought of and again like waiting for like travel if it ever does really truly happen consistently again for me is like traveling and i used to like really review a lot of sows a lot of documentation a lot of powerpoints and stuff like that being able to travel and have like notes on one screen and then have a PowerPoint on another and be taking notes in a device that's in my hand um, is great because like, yes, there's a mobile app for like my, my standard phone. And I, that's the thing, like I didn't even, I don't even use this as a phone. Like I use this as, a, I, I use it as a tablet. Um, Cause honestly, it's, it's like, it's just big. It, there, it's, it's, it's big. Um, <laughs> And, but with a phone, like you can pull up, but it's single page and like reviewing document documents with that, like a phone, it's not great. But with this, it actually is fully featured enough where like you can do annotation, you can edit PowerPoints, you can do like actual work with it. Um, it's just clunky right now. Um, so I see it really good, especially, or like say, like I imagine sales. Like, and sales is getting closer and closer to this with the surfaces, right? But I imagine, like, at some point, this is this is this is a device someone in a sales organization gets. No, and then, especially they're, they're always on the move. Up, in your, you have an office, you have a dock that this can get connected to, and they have a screen, and they can have a keyboard. But for the most part, they're on the move. They're they're making phone calls. They're um, they're reading an SOW or preparing for a presentation, or like they're not working like 
like we work it like hands-on keyboards type things so i could see this as being a really good tool for that i could see this being really good for like executives um because like thinking about people who are just in meetings all day like uh, I, 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 okay, when I saw this, like I imagine that Satya probably has one of these, like, because <laughs> like you know, maybe it was the, like because like it it's that type of device. It's not it's not a, a working dev. It's not like a sit and work device. It is a move and work device. Um, and maybe I could also see it being applicable in the medical world too. Like, um, it's just they need to make it powerful enough for it to be worth it. Yeah. And I think the hope is since they figured out the design this first time around that they can more quickly iterate through and get more stuff up and running. Because I would like to see his version two and see what it does and see what improvements they make and, and think things of that nature. So fingers crossed that they do it. Um, but uh, yeah, Microsoft 10X or the Windows 10X is dead. Hopefully we'll see the Neo at some point, maybe. Um, if not, not. you know, RIP. <laughs> um, and <laughs> yeah, so uh so yeah moving on so we're gonna do something I, I don't think we've done very recently i think it's probably more closely related to uh teams in the last 30 but considering we have two modern workplace guys on i think it made the most sense to go down this route we're obligated <laughs> we're obligated to yeah um so we're gonna do a little bit of a, ro- a roadmap review uh, things that we've, you know, we've seen in, in the, uh, in the, there that have been added to the roadmap in the past 30 days, not strictly to SharePoint. There's a, I think a, or strictly to teams, I, I should say. So a couple of SharePoint ones in there as well. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so the, uh, first one I wanted to jump on, and I think it's a, it's been out there for a while, just not generally available is, uh, Azure BD at the Azure B2B integration with OneDrive and SharePoint is now generally available. Um, they've been pushing. It feels like B2B has been put, been pushed for years now. Um, so I, I want to get your thoughts on what, you know, now that's generally available, it's not in public preview anymore, whatever the previous state was, um, what are your thoughts on and how that should impact people that are that are, that are using those pieces? Yeah. Um, a lot of thoughts about this. Like, I, I also think it's interesting that Teams was generally available for B2B before the other two were. Um, I guarantee it was a more complex thing to do, but they knew that everyone's using Teams, so they did Teams first. Um, I, I I think this is really good and helpful for really pushing organizations to be comfortable with external sharing. Um, yeah. I more and more have seen more willingness especially in the past year which is people just trying to get the work done um (laughs) be okay with external sharing and security controls that you can put up but um for the longest time that sharing experience externally by default was basically only ensuring that the user could access their email like at the end of the day like and there's so many ways to access, like to hack into and get access to people's emails or to spoof people's emails and do that type of stuff. Um, and it wasn't actually validating that that member is still a part of the organization and can join the and can join um, and can still work within that. Like they could, you could also share with like Google accounts and all those types of things, but there really wasn't control, right? Like you, you had some flex, like some flexibility of like whitelisting and blacklisting domains. But it was like globally at the tenant level. 
Um, this way, you you have more support for uh, sign-in flows. I don't think are completely supported yet, but you have the ability to do direct federation with um, direct federation with certain G Suite domains, um, Google itself, Face Facebook. <laughs> you, um, you have you basically can start using those identity providers that are becoming super common that you're seeing across in the industry, right? Um, it, it, that's something that I'm like. Outside of this topic, um, or kind of tangential to this topic, you're seeing Microsoft, Amazon, or Microsoft, Facebook, Apple, all making it very clear that they're becoming identity providers at a consumer level, if that makes sense. Like, they're, they are setting up the, what I think what's happening is they're setting up the use case and the validation for digital identity, like digital governmental identity um that's that's my tidbit for maybe five to ten years from now um <laughs> little my <laughs> little uh um idea that might happen but that's that's what i'm guessing really we'll get to is that at some point you're going to have an identity that's provided to you by one of these big players right and that acts as your actual identity and can be things not only for work but for personal, for government, or for whatever, um, and I think this is one of the big first steps for it. But what Microsoft's doing specifically with this feature being available, <laughs> um, it just makes that it makes it so that when a user's sort of accessing your content, they're they're going through your security, but also going through the security of the organization that they belong to. Um, so anything that you can do to sort of control that and manage that and have your hands are on that experience, the better in my eyes. Um, where I think it gets not confusing, where I think it gets a little wonky is when you start thinking about, okay, what's what's my what's my authentication approach for external users as an organization? Am I planning it? Because you have the many different options. You have out of the box, <laughs> uh, you have to have a Microsoft account, yada yada yada, or you have OTP. Yeah. One, so one-time passcode, or you have direct federation, or you have custom user sign-in flows. Um, on top of that, if you do like a direct federation or you do uh, user sign-in flows and a certain user doesn't apply to a certain domain that you've directly federated with, they also fall back to OTP. So you're getting into the scenario, what, what I think might be, at least as IT pros, like planning and uh, like planning this all out, the the important piece is going to create a model that is manageable because you don't want to have a situation where you have like 10,000 users in your organization and say another 1,000 that share with collaborate with you externally. And of those 1,000, like there's six different authentication models because that's just going to get, it's going to be hard to manage and hard to understand and hard to audit on. And, and granted, there's all of those controls to do that if you want, but from a simplistic perspective, you can you can overcomplicate it, I think. Um, so it's going to be important for like us and, and everyone that sort of deploys these things to be intentional and mindful of how they set this up and keep in mind um, how things will be. Because also, if you say you share with someone externally through um, before you set up direct federation, say you have co like company A and user at user one at company A, um, you share with them um, and you don't have direct federation and they use OTP, right? 
they're going to use that one-time passcode. Now, say you start working with more people from company A and say user two, user three, or whatever in company A. Um, and you're like, okay, let's set up direct federation. You set up direct federation with that organization, like that organization, that user who had already previously collaborated will still continue to use OTP. It doesn't start using direct federation. So you also be mindful of that. So like when you do add direct federation for a given domain, there's sort of effort in there to go and look at, okay, do we have any users that are already connected to this domain? And there's a simple process to reset their authentication to go back to the right. But that's something you have to do. And that's something you have to know that you have to do, or they're just going to use OTP so that this whole idea of, oh, let's do direct federation so it's more secure can fall apart a little bit. So I think there's a lot to just be mindful of when planning it out. But I'm overall very excited about the feature because um, it being available for OneDrive and SharePoint now makes it so that you can use it across really Office, like everything that you're going to sh externally share in Office 365 for the most part, <laughs> stream and whatever, depending on where it's living and where it goes, um, you can share now through B2B, which is, I think, a really good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that yeah, you hit it right on the head. I mean, I, we could, you know, count, you know, if we had a dime for every conversation we had about external sharing when it comes to SharePoint, OneDrive, yes. and Teams, uh, you know, we would be we wouldn't be doing this podcast right now, or this would be the only thing we would we would be doing. We wouldn't have a day job. Um, but no, I agree with you. I mean, I think you know, and I, I think overall we're in the middle of a. I want to say a we're middle we're in the middle of a shift when it comes to IAM with passwordless authentication now Microsoft trying to get rid of passwords you know that's why you talk about the one-time passcode you know and we're in the middle of all this this shifting around and 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 the 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 integration of new features like b2b which is you know just ga now it's been around for a while but you know i think it's going to be interesting to see how what it looks like five years from now you know, I think because Microsoft really pounding the drum on the passwordless, the passwordless auth. You know, it was a big topic at this past Ignite and uh, earlier this year. Um, you know, and the, the, a lot of organizations are using it. You know, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what it does. But you know, as far as external sharing goes, you know, I definitely companies seem more willing to, and I think it's becoming almost as a necessity for organizations to do it because you know every or almost a lot of organizations or you know there's tons of orgs that are global now they need to share with vendors partners all that good stuff and it's it, they don't want to hinder their user base they want to enable them and there's these controls in place now that allow users or allow it pros like us to give them that access but also make sure we protect ourselves at the same time especially leveraging other identity providers like you know they have an azure ad or you said facebook or google or whatever the case may be um you know and I, I think you know when people and that's why and honestly for in this kind of a little, a little bit of a tangent microsoft stands out to me from a platform perspective because of their iam strategy i mean all of it's built in azure ad you have all these custom flows you can bring in external identity providers and even they have we've talked about this for azure b2c you know that's a different service but for custom apps and have their own IAM platform. You don't have to build it into the app. You know, I think it's, it's extremely robust and I think they're just continuing to build on it. And it's gonna be really interesting to see where things are at five years from now, if we're still using passwords or not, what all these services are gonna look like, what features are there and stuff like that. So I think it's gonna be really cool. Your identity is gonna be tied up into you. You're gonna, you're gonna get that, you're gonna <laughs> get that uh, 5G chip. <laughs> 
It's a bold, bold prediction. I'd be interested. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I mean, five years, it'll be, things are accelerating, right? But yeah. five years might be is a stretch. We'll see. Yeah. Probably more like ten. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, mo- moving on to another roadmap item that we thought was really interesting. Um, it's more subtle, I think, but I definitely think it's important worth calling out is uh, team uh, t- together mode extensibility. Um, you know, I, this, uh, I struggle with this one a little bit because it, it's cool, but is it really important? <laughs> yeah, I, I get it, I don't. I, where I think this might have some weird value is in the EDU space. Um, and specifically in like primary education spaces. Um, because I imagine, and we're kind of transitioning back away from it again a little bit, but thinking about like keeping students engaged in a classroom, especially younger kids engaged, like as a quick way to do that, like have crazy together mode backgrounds and let them be in random places in the world or like in the jungle or what like you could do like cool things like that um and so it's cool it's a cool feature it, it was kind of in response to other platforms that are doing this type of thing and also everything that was happening like last year and yada 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 um it's cool that like kind of how they did the backgrounds now you can also create your own custom like together modes so that's neat again it's not like a groundbreaking feature in any way <laughs> right um, but it, it does have some, I, I think that it does have some value in some niche places, and, and it's also just like a quality of life slash like nice to have feature. Another, I think another one that kind of ties to that that's maybe a little bit more useful is um, the ability for Teams apps, Teams meeting apps, which are newer and they've been out for the past, past couple months in Office 365, where you can basically have, you can customize the meeting, like the team's meeting experience where you can have like dialogue surveys built in and, and all these different things that you could do pretty much with the pre, during and post meeting experience. Um, but now those are actually supporting external users. So this is really nice. If you're having like Teams live events or Teams meetings and, and just in general, you want to be able to engage the users that are on on the call and you want to be able to have them fill out a form that's specific to say, say you're doing like, Maybe you have sort of webinars and you want to get like survey data or you want to get engagement from the community and you want it to be specific and branded to your organization and all that type of stuff. You could do that now, which is I think that's really cool. Um, Bringing in being able to have that experience for external users. I can think of like using it for training sessions as well. Like if you want to have like a guided training session and you want to have like a maybe like a quiz platform that's built out that like Basically, after a certain section, a teacher's done talking, they can push a button. It's going to go to the next por- portion of their quiz, and the students can answer it. And it like is like a live test of sorts, like another cool like application of it. So I I think there's a really cool a bunch of cool ways it could be used. Um, and just in general, like Teams meeting apps, I think have a lot of possibility. It is new, so there's not much out there. Um, but I think there's a lot of use case for it, and I'm excited to see what like what people people create with it. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think uh, kind of circling back to the to the uh, together mode. Yeah, I th- I think like you said, it's a it might have some niche value in different places, um, but you know I think for the majority of people, they're just gonna look at it, okay, move on, and stuff like that. You know, but I, and I'm sure there's science and things of that nature. That's why they created to the together mode to keep people more engaged and 
reduce meeting fatigue and stuff like that. So if you know they give the ability to create custom scenes and to get in together mode and all that type of stuff, you know, if that helps people reduce the fatigue and stuff like that, I'm all for that. Um, I think it's just a matter of figuring out what that is. Um, so it's just yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's another feature nice to have. And you know, if people use it, they use it, and if they don't, they don't. You know, I think that you know, it's just the fact that it's there is good. Mm-hmm. Um, with the apps with the external meetings, you know, I think that um yeah i agree i think there's like you said it's relatively new i think there's like tons of cool use cases uh for it um especially you know when you're looking at like you said you know live quizzes or you know if there's a whole host of other different things you could potentially think of your your custom apps and or, 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 or apps with external means you know teams is a very extensible platform you can dream up with whatever you want to dream up with and create it you know um so you know i think it'd be really cool and really interesting to see what that looks like um as it continues to grow um and uh you know we'll, i'm sure we'll be revisiting it in a year or so and, and seeing uh seeing what what that looks like and and how, how that goes so so yeah um so we are gonna take a moment to break here for a word from our sponsor Hey listeners, so by now you know that while we bring you the latest and greatest tech news, tips, and trends by night, by day, we run the Microsoft Cloud Solutions practice within Aspirant Consulting. Aspirant is a global management and technology consulting firm that challenges the antiquated, ineffective consulting model. Unlike the bigger firms, we focus on delivering sustainable results for our clients through broad, integrated expertise. From operational process design to organizational change to app development and pretty much anything you can imagine in the cloud, our team can help yours overcome whatever challenge it's facing. So check us out at Aspirant.com, follow us on LinkedIn, or follow the link in the show notes to learn more about Aspirant and our breadth of capabilities. Aspirant Consulting. Experienced teams. Real results. So one last item on our uh, roadmap review um, is it's a, it's, a, it's a little small and subtle like the previous ones, but um, is the uh, team's post retention. Now, before you could re- you could re- uh, retain the entire team, um, you know, all that data and, and type of stuff and, you know, data for teams lives in various different places, exchange mailboxes and stuff like that. But it was all or nothing for the most part um, when it came to the entire team. Um, with this, uh, new little nugget, you can just strictly focus on conversation threads inside a team and just retain those. So I think that's really cool. The way the segment at the segment that out, if it doesn't fit, you know, it gives a little more, a little bit more flip, a little bit more flexibility into organizations retention policies. Um, Justin, what, uh, what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I think it's good. I think the, the important piece here is going to be for people to rem- remember that, hey, when you're now only doing Teams chat or team or user chat retention, you're not retaining the content in that team anymore, right? You have to, and what's going to be confusing is that there's not a specific slider for Teams files because <laughs> SharePoint. And yeah. so um, that's just going to be, I think, an important people, important people, important thing for people to keep in mind is that if you want to do end-to-end retention for a Microsoft team, you have to do, you have to do a couple things. You have to select a couple things. You have to select the SharePoint site for the team, and you also have to select the team with in, in the chat and channel. Um, and I know that additionally, what's coming this month is um, retention for private channels as well, which 
Uh, I don't know if it's generally available yet, uh, but was supposed to is supposed to be this month. Um, but that that's kind of a I, I would say I actually know some people uh, some places where that's a hindrance. Like that's gonna stop that stops people from using um, private channels in the meantime until you can actually retain it because yeah. you if you can't retain that if it's private and it's it's confidential and it's something that you have like policy that you have to retain stuff like that's mm-hmm. that's a huge hole so that that's knowing that that's coming is also really good um and kind of all around now teams itself can be retained i think that's been a story that they've been working on for i feel like <laughs> two or three years at this point um because at first like nothing in teams at all could be retained yeah. Um, and then it was like, okay, well, you can do the files because you have specifically SharePoint, but it was wonky. It was like, yeah, you're kind of retaining the files of the team, but like it's not intentionally doing any retention for the team. And then they brought out the team's retention for channels, and then they brought the chat retention out for, and then then they brought just uh, spread it out. So definitely glad that the segment and outlines you be more granular. It's just important to keep in mind that, and like I feel like this will always be a thing. <laughs> Um, that SharePoint is backing your team. You have to retain the files. Of yeah. The so, and actually this wasn't on the agenda, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. Cause we actually, I don't think we've talked about this. Um, so, and it's one of the really cool announcements from Ignite that I talked about, it's kind of related to this in a certain way, um, from a, how it's happening in the background type deal and I guess how it would be retained, um, and how it's all built in there is shared channels between tenants. Now. There was a lot of information about it when they re- when they released it, at least that I saw, and maybe they released more info since then. I haven't really looked, um, but I thought it was really interesting that you know it's kind of breaking the barriers between having to switch tenants every time you want to interact with other data and other teams. But they specifically said shared channel, not shared team. So I'm curious to see if it's going to work the same way as a private. It creates channel. a new site. From it what creates I, a new site or yeah. or whatever. So I'm, what are your thoughts on that, and what what do you know? about that i think it's a slippery slope of (laughs) spaghetti um i i'll be honest i didn't like the approach that they took for uh creating shared channels and private channels and having it a separate team but i don't know how else they would have done it um unless unless they stood something up from the ground up um but again that that kind of worries me but it's a cool feature. It is 100% in response to Slack. Um, Slack has a specific feature called Share Channels that works really well. Allows you to have. It, they don't have the hierarchy like Teams does. Yeah. Um. So they they they're just everything is called a channel. Yep. And I presume this is why Teams is calling it Share Channels because they want to make it clear that it's it's a it's a competing feature. Um. But it works well in Slack because it can work well because it's a very flat architecture. It's going to be a little bit harder in Teams. They have to create a new site for it because they have to do the permissions separately for it because doing any sort of permissions at the library level from an automated perspective is probably would have been a nightmare for them, yeah. not an architectural nightmare. Which is why they didn't do it for private. I mean, yeah. essentially. I mean, and my and my thing with the, with this as well is that my thought process is that with private channels i'm pretty sure um that you have to be a member of the team yeah to get access to the private channel so i was like well how's that going to work with a shared channel with an external user if like if they have to be a member of the team 
you know, what's the how 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 is that going to work? And they said their admins gonna have a granular controls over you know what day is available to external users and what isn't. I'm just curious to see how it's gonna work. How it's, it just adds another layer of yeah. complexity for us, I for, for for us IT pros to figure out what the heck we're doing. And then you can think about like <laughs> private channels, how private channels work. And I don't know how this will work in share channels, but like if you have a private channel and you have someone an owner of that private channel, and they leave the organization and they're removed from the team. It automatically puts another user on that channel and make it promotes another you a member of that channel to owner. And yeah. In a shared channel experience, what's going to happen is that <laughs> who, who what tenant and who what user and is that a user that you want to get ownership in the in membership? And then is that something that the client has to be aware? Of? Like I have a feeling it can get pretty messy. Um, I'm glad they're working on the feature and they're putting it out there. It's just going to be interesting how the chips fall in terms of what extra work we have to do to make it secure. And make it secure. <laughs> yeah, and how that fits into the whole B2B model and like what we talked about earlier. Obviously, you know, they worked on Teams first and how that all is going to work with one another and share channels and stuff like that. It's going to be really interesting to see. They haven't released a ton. They just kind of say, hey, we're doing this. <laughs> it'll be available at some point. You know, and they say admins will have control over things. I'm curious to see what it'll, what it'll look like um from that perspective um so we're, we're getting close to the end here i wanted to close on one uh, one more news item um and i guess it's a i won't say it's old news now but it's definitely something that causes a bit of a panic <laughs> among people on the east coast uh was the colonial pipeline natural gas pipeline was uh i guess for lack of a better term hacked and Go ahead, yeah. sorry. No, I was saying it was hacked, it was hacked a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, seems like things have stabilized. Um, how they got there, we'll, I'm assuming probably we'll never know um, if they paid ransom or whatever the case may be. Um, but um, there was a little bit of time there where, like, oh, we're going to have gas <laughs> or not. Um, but uh, especially on the East Coast, people lining up at gas stations, filling filling plastic bags with gasoline um stuff like that uh so it was a bit almost was like the toilet paper crisis of last year a little bit for a couple of days there um just curious what, what your thoughts on it you know and I, I think it you know for 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 me it's a uh i want to say it's an indictment of our infrastructure a little bit um but it, it shows that we got a long way to go uh I, to get there if i could rate my level of surprise in one to ten my rate would be a negative number um <laughs> how surprised i am because i don't know mike you, you've seen you've seen some environments you've you, you know um <laughs> there's a lot of things that depending on who you're working with like there's some there's some organizations that have a, have two picks of bubble gum keeping their stuff together and Really, this comes down to people not investing in IT and, and, and especially in government. Like government IT is a whole new thing or not a new thing. It's definitely not new. It's an old thing, right? Um, but it's there's just a lot of times there's a lot of red tape. There's not a lot of investment. There's not a lot of talent in, in those types of groups. And what you're seeing is that when you build something with toothpick, uh, toothpicks and bubble gum, it comes apart pretty easily. And then suddenly uh, the entire Eastern Seaboard has $7 gas. Yeah. Um, 
and like it, when I think about, and again, I mentioned Live Free Die Hard for a reason as much as it's a movie, as much as it's it was a lot of it's mostly fake or whatever, or it's all fake or whatever. But like that type of attack is something that's just going to become normal, I think. Um, and so we have to be better about protecting those those things, yeah. protecting our utilities, like. We even it wasn't a hack, but the the most of this was Texas. This is Texas's fault. But like the the whole um, electrical grid failure in Texas when they got the blizzard, like that's an old month blizzard. They got the little bit of like the inch of snow yeah. that they. Got. <laughs> um, and so we just have to be better about making our commodities and utilities secure and resilient. Um, yeah. I know a lot of organizations do that, um, but the thing with like utilities, or at least from my perspective with utilities and like that type of stuff is that it's very localized and regionalized. You don't have a centralized place that manages to secure secures our infrastructure. You have all these different companies from the, the ones that help support um, the biggest cities in the world, like New York city and whatever. And so they might have like an actual good security team, but you also have places that like small towns that you have like a gas company that only supports like 4,000 people. They're not going to have good infrastructure, but they're they're just as vulnerable. Yeah. Um, so I hope this is a wake up call. Um, but we've had a lot of those <laughs> in the past um, with like these the big corporations getting hacked. But I think this is one that is super uh, important for us to to recognize and to be better about because any day. Um, we could just uh, lose all of our power for a certain period of time like they do and live free and die hard and then everything shuts down and everyone everyone's chaos and there's riots in the streets and all that so let's let's avoid that <laughs> and let's secure our systems that, yeah. that, that's but that's my thought <laughs> <laughs> no I, I i think you're right on i mean i think and even this goes back to last year i remember when you know a, you know a bunch of you know obviously a lot of people lost their jobs last year because of the pandemic a lot of uh, you know restaurant workers and, and you know people on the front lines and stuff of that nature um you know states unemployment systems couldn't handle it because they were still running on cobol <laughs> um which yep. i have experience with and we both have experience with yeah, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> from our, our college days but um you know i i think there has to be i think a lot a lot of the times for whatever reason, I don't know why it's not seen as a priority, but like IT systems for our infrastructure, our government, the whole thing is kind of put to the back burner a lot of times, especially when it comes to security sometimes. And I think that would be the logically that would be the number one thing that would be, OK, we need to take care of this because we're vulnerable. We're, you know, as the colonial pipeline hack shows um you know there's easy ways to get in and i i think there's a little bit of especially with you know i believe the the at least from what i saw i, I don't know if, it, if it's 100 percent true or not but i saw stuff in passing potentially they were using microsoft exchange server with the ability in the past that may have contributed to something or whatever you know, I think, and we see this with just private organizations, like, you know, they're sitting on Windows Server 1999 or whatever it is, you know, 2003, and they're running applications, and they just have not invested and upgraded into 
a more modern platform, which also has more modern security patches and all that type of stuff. You know, and I think some organizations and governments and whatever entities controlling these IT systems realize you got to bite the bullet and upgrade your stuff. I mean, I think, you know, that's just what it is or else you're going to be caught with caught with your pants down for the lack, for the lack of, a, of a better term. And you're going to be, you know, OK, what do I do now? You know, so and whether that means moving to the cloud or moving to a higher version of a server, Windows Server 2019 or whatever Linux, you know, whatever your stuff is running on. That's what you need to do. And that's unfortunately, you know, people don't want to spend money on, but then you're going to be spending millions of dollars to uh, to unencrypt your data and you're going to encourage more people to then come try to hack you you know so I, I think that is the biggest thing is that you know we need to modernize we need to modernize or or, or, or you know everyone needs to modernize keep their stuff up to date patch have you know it's not a matter of when you're going to get hacked or it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and you need to have those plans in place to make sure that you are able to recover your systems and have those, those strategies and plans in place you know so i i think it's long overdue uh, I think, you know, we, we need to, you know, we need to get our crap together. <laughs> I completely agree. All right. Um, on that note, uh, <laughs> uh, I think that is all the topics we had today. Justin, you have anything to add before we close out here? No, nothing, nothing at all. Thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. I know. Yeah, we, 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 we kept the train on the rails this week. Uh, <laughs> and, and we did it. I'm proud. <laughs> without it, without Only it. had one Apple reference. Oh, yeah, one Apple reference. Yeah. You know, he's probably he probably felt the disturbance in the force <laughs> um but yeah uh corresponding links will be in the show notes um i'm sure we'll put our, our, our social media stuff in the show notes and any links to any roadmap stuff uh, that we have and um yeah and i guess uh we'll talk to you guys next week bye today's show is brought to you by aspirant you aspire together we achieve this production is for information and entertainment purposes only not all technologies and items discussed are compatible with your system or specific configuration. Your knowledge may vary. Consult a professional before trying anything discussed on this show. Visit show notes for relevant information and links.